coming up. What really took place at Mount Sinai when God gave us the Torah? And why does this matter to us now? Welcome, everyone, to At Home in Jerusalem, the podcast on Aish.com. I'm your host, Heather Dean. And this week, Rebbitz and Sipora Heller is back, and this time to talk with me about the Festival of Shavuot. Rebbitz and Heller is an educator, author, and popular speaker to audiences all over the world. She is the co-founder and principal of Benos Avigail Seminary in Jerusalem, Israel, as well as senior faculty member at Neve Yerushalayim College for Women. Welcome back, Rebbitz and Sipor Heller to At Home in Jerusalem. It's always a pleasure to be at home in Jerusalem, <laughs> both in the literal sense and on the radio. And on the radio. So welcome all of you listeners. It's a great pleasure to talk to you. Terrific. Now, when we read about Revelation at Sinai, it's clearly, it was an experience unlike any other, but the written word gives us a certain perspective. I'm wondering if you could just describe to us your understanding of this scene at Sinai. So here we were enslaved in Egypt, and in a short time, everything changed. The Torah did a census. How many people actually left? So the number of males who left between the ages of 20 and 60 are a little over 600,000. That would mean if you're talking about the people, okay, you're talking about millions. A basic rule that Abraham Lincoln brought into the world is you could fool some of the people <laughs> all of the time. And you could fool all of the people some of the time. But you can't fool all of the people all of the time. This is the only revelation that involved millions of people in all of history. So we left. We know with absolute certainty we left. We got to Sinai. We didn't know what to expect. We were clueless. We had some days of preparation, 49 days, where we had to live with each other and try to develop our sensitivity to being a people. We had to develop our traits, our inner lives. But what are we headed towards? Moses then said, okay, we are here. If you look around us, is Sinai an oppressive mountain? No. In fact, today, are you ready for this? Nobody's actually certain which mountain of the many mountains in the Sinai Desert it actually is. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's this one, and then again, <laughs> maybe it's that one. <laughs> and we're told, stay away from the mountain. Right. Three days, get ready. And then what happened? What happened was for the only time in history, God actually spoke to a great crowd of humans simultaneously. This is no tradition where an enlightened individual had a spiritual experience and then shared it with a select group who spread it on. This was everybody. Everybody means your mother-in-law. Everybody, what? Okay, everybody <laughs> means, okay, your brother-in-law who never had a job. Everybody means your 16-year-old. Everybody is everybody. Everybody heard the word of God. And at that point, what we heard were the, what we know as the Ten Commandments. The first two we heard directly from God, which was overwhelming. The others were transmitted through Moses. Mm -hmm. What are they? What are the Ten Commandments? They're not the main commandments. People think, just keep these ten, mm -hmm. and you're fixed. Right. 
Of course, usually when they say that, they don't keep Shabbos, but we'll leave that off the page. Okay. No, these are the backbone of the Torah. It's like the table of contents to the whole Torah. So the first two are the, the table of contents to the table of contents. So the first one, God says, I'm the Lord your God who took you out of Egypt. Now these people knew it. They didn't believe it. They knew it from the house of bondage. Now that doesn't sound like a commandment. That sounds like an introduction. Right, right. God is saying, this is what it is. You don't, I'm not commanding you to believe it. I'm explaining to you, this is reality. Live in reality. The reality is, I am your God. I'm with you. You're not alone. I'm the creator of the heavens and the earth. I was involved enough to take you out of Egypt against all the rules of nature. I care about each and every one of you. Live with that. When the Jews heard that, they finally let their hearts open to how much God loves them. Everything you are, everything you have, everything you've experienced in your life comes from one address ultimately. At that moment, their hearts opened so much they wanted to connect. And that's where the seeds of wanting to keep every one of the positive commandments, each one of which gives them a specific form of connection, they wanted it. So I'll just give you one example of a positive commandment. Not one that doesn't say what not to do, but one that says, do it. Okay. Give charity. That's going to connect you to God, not just improve the situation of your fellow person. It'll connect you to God because your spiritual self makes you a giver. Your material self tells you if you give away two cookies, you only have one left. But your spiritual self says, be, be a giver, be like God. That's a positive commandment. So all of the positive commandments were implanted in our hearts. The next commandment was, don't have other gods before me, don't worship idols, don't make statuary, don't worship the forces above or below. Okay, so what does that mean? It means don't let anything impede your relationship with me. Don't create illusory beliefs. Don't make shortcuts. Don't create fantasy lives in which you could escape from reality. I love you. Be with me. Don't create barriers. Mm -hmm. When the Jews heard that, they didn't just want to not worship idols. They wanted not to worship what today we would call contemporary idols. Mm -hmm. Not to put your faith in politicians. Not to put your faith in monetary systems. Use them. Respect them. But they're not God. Put your faith in God. How do you do that? by not allowing impediments to develop. At that moment, they wanted to keep all of the negative commandments, all of the don'ts. Okay, so these two are the source of everything. Make a connection and don't destroy it. Don't trivialize who God is. Don't use his name as though it's what you say when the heavy picture frame falls on your foot. <laughs> Think of something else to say. <laughs> I won't tell you what, okay? Why? Because if you know that there's God, you feel surrounded by something beyond you. Don't trivialize it. Next, keep Shabbos. Every Jew has the ability to be opened up to this, that you could step out of the picture to see the picture and to feel beloved and to see God's creativity. Next, honor your parents. Mm -hmm. That's a hard one, isn't it? Realize you didn't come out of nowhere. 
everything you are, what you like in yourself and what you don't like, what inspires you and what challenges you, comes from a source. Respect it. Don't murder. The Judaic definition of murder is killing someone who's of no threat to you. Even if you don't happen to like them, even you think their life is irrelevant, maybe they're in a place in life where they're not having a good time anymore or not productive by monetary standards. Life belongs to God. Mm -hmm. Don't ruin your relationship by him through murder. Don't commit adultery. I hope I didn't ruin your day. Okay. Don't betray trust, which is what committing adultery is all about. Mm -hmm. Don't steal not just because it's bad for your victim, it's bad for you to be a thief. Don't lie in court, because if there's no justice system, then people will take the law into their own hands and you'll have anarchy. That's the one about don't bear false witness. Right. Yeah. Okay. And last, don't desire what other people have, not their spouse, not their house, spouse, house, okay. <laughs> not anything that the other person has, because... If you really believe in God, you'll look at what he gave you and you'll say, that's my portion, and it'll connect you. This is what they experienced at Sinai. So interesting. Um, I just want to, in the time remaining, talk about what's going on contemporarily. Now, here in Israel, everyone, regardless of their level of religious observance, knows that Shavuot is coming because of the ubiquitous advertisements of every kind of dairy food. But in your opinion, why is Shavuot less prevalent in the lexicon of Jews in the Western countries? Okay, I'll give you a positive reason and the true reason, which is a negative one. The positive one is because the observances of Shavuot are much less dramatic than, let's say, Pesach. No matzah, no wine, no dramatic house cleaning. But there's a deeper reason. Shavuot makes people uncomfortable. Its message is that, you know what? When you drive, you better know where you're headed. Don't get on the bus just because it's air-conditioned. Know where it's going. Mm -hmm. Shavuot is the Jewish people's GPS. We live in a society in which people are very reluctant to say, I don't know where I'm going. I would say, in fact, people are less reluctant now than they were in the last 200 years. And perhaps that's why there's a return to observance that there hasn't been for many centuries, for two centuries at least. Mm -hmm. But I think that that's why Shavuot isn't as fashionable as some of the other holidays. Interesting. Thank you so much, Reverend Heller, for sharing with us your insights about Shavuot. Thank you for letting me be here. And I hope that when Shavuot rolls around, you just stand there in your living room and say, I am here and I want to be connected and I don't want blockages and let it touch your life. Wow. wow. And you can also check out H.com's one-of-a-kind Shavuot section where you'll find many excellent articles, classes, and videos that will undoubtedly enhance your Shavuot experience. And thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.